Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green, and today I'm joined by Tammy Hughley. Tammy, how you doing? Hello, Jake. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Um, can you just give a little introduction to yourself and um, like what what uh, what you do and why you're here? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, I am a certified firearms instructor, certified by the U.S. Concealed Carry association. I am certified in active shooter response training by the USCCA and the DHS. And um, that was a result of something that actually happened to me a few years ago. Uh, In 2017, I had a home invasion It was a very bizarre story. I won't get into all of the minute details, but it was um, it was something that I went through that I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, As I was getting up at seven o'clock, it was a Sunday morning in February of 2017, and I was just getting out of bed. And got into my living room and I had like a split bedroom plan and I lived alone. I got into my bedroom and I heard glass. I mean, excuse me. I got into my living room and I heard glass breaking and it was really loud. Um, I lived in an apartment. So, you know, your brain does a lot of crazy things when something like that is going on. And it seems like I had a million explanations for the breaking glass in a matter of like five seconds. But my brain would dismiss each one of them. And I kind of knew what it was. But it's like um, that fight or flight, that whole process, you know, wouldn't allow me to believe something was going on. Um, A few seconds later, I heard it again. And I kind of froze. And as I heard my spare bedroom door, which is where I heard the glass coming from, as I heard that door open from the inside, I I knew. I mean, it all kind of came together and I went into action. Um, I had about a 20-year-old Taurus 9mm pistol that a friend had given me and I didn't even want it at the time. Um, I had never shot a gun, had never owned a gun and I was terrified of it. Terrified. Thank God I had it because I went to my bedside table, grabbed that gun and I ran back around to the other side of my bed and took cover behind a tall chest of drawers 
Um, and let me throw in here at this point, too, um, not that it's relevant to the story, <clears throat> but it does add a lot to the stress factor of what happened. Um, as I said, I was I was just getting up. I was going to getting the sh- going to get in the shower. And so I had already undressed. OK, so, yeah, this whole thing happened with me totally undressed. Um, so. I could see out from the side of the chest of drawers through my living room so I could see him coming. And I stepped out and I had the gun pointed at him and he saw it. He saw me and it didn't slow him down. He just continued to advance. Um, He got to the threshold of my bedroom door and I screamed, stop and, you know, get out of here, stop. And he just looked me dead in the eye and just shook his head and said, no. And that was the only word that he spoke the whole time. And all I could do was just try to think of who is this? I mean, who is this guy? He's got, I mean, is this, is this somebody that I know? I mean, what, you know, I just, I couldn't make sense of anything. So, like I said, he never said a word. And it was just so bizarre because I couldn't figure out what he wanted, you know. And I thought, well, I mean, is he here to rape me? Is he here to kill me? You know, I mean, is what is he here for? And he continued to advance on me into my bedroom and I continued to back up. And at that point I was pretty much out of anywhere to go. So I pulled up the gun and I pulled the trigger. And when I did, nothing happened. It just kind of no boom, no bang, nothing. And I remembered at that point um, that it had a safety on it and I reached down and of course, you know, my, I'm shaking all over and, you know, I finally get the safety off. And when I do, I mean, he's taking another step. I lean up, you know, I kind of swing up with the firearm and I fire one shot and it's not like, it's not like you see in the movies. It's not, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, sling back against the wall or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And I wasn't even a hundred percent sure I had hit him, but I knew that I had because he grabbed his chest and he kind of went down, you know, on his knees and he fell where, it was like he was trying to leave. Um, he kind of turned around and he fell in my living room where his feet were right at my bedroom door. So basically I was trapped in my bedroom. He was, he was alive and he was still moving. He still never said anything. He just kind of made a groaning sound. And I picked up my phone and dialed 911 and um, it was, uh, you know, it was a, a long conversation. Um, she basically stayed on the phone with me until the police got inside. Uh, this is where the really bizarre 
part begins. Um, when the police arrived, they took me out of the house. They said, your home is now a crime scene. And that's, those are words you never forget. I don't care who you are. No. And I went outside and all, it was like all of my neighbors. I didn't even know that our local police department had that many police officers on staff. They were everywhere. There was every kind of law enforcement vehicle and it was just all a blur. And I was just, it was, it was absolutely surreal. Um, at one point, um, you know, they, um, they were taking photos and they told me that it would pretty much be an all day investigation. And they took me to the police department and took my official statement. I had five or six officers come up during the time that I was um, standing out in front of my apartment that would come up and ask me, can you tell me just a little bit about what happened? And, and there were five or six of them. And I'm like, I've already told them this. And, you know, later I realized, you know, I guess they're, they're trying to see if I've changed my story. So um, when they took me downtown, I gave an official statement and eventually it was ruled as a justifiable homicide. When the autopsy returned, the guy had 0.38 alcohol. The bizarre part is this. Um, he was in a rage and had been up all weekend, I believe. He was looking for his wife who had gone to pick up her child um, that she had with her ex-husband. Her ex-husband lived in my apartment complex, but he lived in the building behind me. So this guy actually had the wrong apartment the whole time. And it was just, um, I, I, I was, I mean, needless to say, I was just, you know, I, I was just like a, a puddle of tears. I, it was the most upsetting and horrendous and traumatic thing that I've ever been through. And I kept asking, you know, several people in the parking lot, you know, several of the law enforcement, you know, please tell me, please tell me that he didn't die. Please, please tell me that he didn't die. And um, I had a guy walk up to me and he had on a khaki shirt and I kind of looked at him and I was asking him that and he kind of looked down at his feet and I looked at the logo on his shirt and it said homicide detective, homicide division. And I said, yeah, I, I just, I just fell on my knees and cried. And after five months of therapy, I sat in my living room, um, terrified. One thing I want to point out to people is if you don't know this already, if you are a gun owner, you want to be armed in order to defend yourself. I highly recommend you have at least two firearms in your home. And the reason for that is 
when you um, when you have to defend yourself with deadly force, they will take your firearm. It's part of the investigation. Hmm. Um, I don't really know in Georgia, to be honest with you, if they take the any other firearms you have. I'm not really sure, but I know for sure that they take that one. Yeah, um, yeah. So after the, you know, after the autopsy came back and um, the case was closed, one of the things that really helped me too, Jake, is um, there was a my neighbor upstairs kind of heard all of the commotion going on outside. The guy apparently had tried to kick my door in and was not able to. Um, I don't really want to say, you know, what his affiliation was, but I will say this. He was a big guy. He was exceptionally fit and he was highly, highly trained. Mm. Um, so, you know, he, I mean, doesn't make it any less scary. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, it was a scary situation, but my neighbor tried to stop him from going in. He couldn't kick the door in. Mm -hmm. Um, cause my dad had taught me a long time ago, um, extra tip, put the back of a chair up under your doorknob and nobody can get in it. And he's correct. (laughs) It does work. Uh, yeah. So that's when he decided to come into my window, but, um, it was ruled a justifiable homicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went to therapy and was really anxious. I mean, I still have a tremendous amount of anxiety about it. Um, one of the first, one of the worst things you fear is that it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got tired of being a victim. I said, this is enough. So I went and um, bought a firearm. I started looking at every YouTube that was that was made about firearms, how to shoot them, um, my particular type of firearm, everything about it, how to break it down, how to clean it, how to practice malfunctions. Nice. There are yeah. tons of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And. It, you know, I and so I joined this organization. I asked the guys at the gun shop, I said, have you ever heard of an organization? You know, um, and it was the well-armed woman at the time. And it's actually um, Armed Women of America now. Hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention them, but. I think you're allowed I, to mention whoever. Okay. So I got, um, that is through through them, I became a co-chapter, uh, co-leader for the chapter, and I went to get certified as an instructor because I I am a Christian, and although the gun is what stopped, you know, just the whole the way the whole thing worked out, I truly believe that you know God saved me that day, mm. and I feel like if there's anything that I can do. To help other women, I think that's definitely the thing that, you know, that I want to do. And I've done some training. I do uh, one-on-one training. Mm-hmm. And um, I like to kind of do a private thing with, you know, maybe come to your home. Of course, we don't shoot there. We go. Oh, no. Looks like we lost Tammy. Tammy. 
Can you hear me? Sorry, folks, having some technical difficulties. You know, she was talking about her power going out. I think her power may have gone out. <laughs> um, yeah, she said the storm, a storm was coming through. So let's see if she'll email here in a second or text. All right, folks, we're back. Tammy is apparently in a storm right now and uh, <laughs> power might go out at any moment. So, <laughs> um, Tammy, you were talking about how you now train people um, with firearms. Right. I prefer to do a, I don't have like a brick and mortar store. Um, that's just not something that's available to me right now at this time in my life. Mm -hmm. But I kind of prefer a more of a personal type thing. A lot of people um, are not comfortable going into a group of people that they don't really know and learning about firearms and, you know, training at the range and things like that. So yeah, that's intimidating. Sure it is. Yeah. And um, I like to do it more on a personal basis. For instance, um, I trained um, a lady and her two sons, an awesome lady. She was just a, a spitfire, loved her. <laughs> and um, I trained them at their home. And of course, we, you know, we all met at the range and that's where she did her actual shooting. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've had you know, like mother-daughter teams, a lot of times the dads um, don't want to train the wives or the daughters because, um, and I've had several of them tell me, you know, I think they'll listen to you better than they will to me. <laughs> and because they think I don't know anything. Uh, and, and it's kind of true, but it, it's not so much that I think it's more of a, just a comfort thing. And I guess knowing that, you know, another female is mm -hmm. going to understand. I mean, there's so many different dynamics um, physically to a female training, you know, than a male, um, yeah. just the handling the recoil and the stain. I mean, everything is different. So can you go into uh, a little bit of like exactly what's different? Um, just some like examples of things you've seen and things you teach. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that is really different for a female is we're, well, we're, we're made differently. Um, we don't like loud noises. Mm. You know, you guys, I mean, y'all are like, you know, all about it. Fireworks, guns, whatever, <laughs> you know, explosives. You're all good with it. Females are not that way. We don't like loud noises. They scare us and, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to make women sound weak. I'm just, you know, kind of using a generalization, but you get the point. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not as comfortable. I would say 95% of the women that I have trained started out terrified of the recoil of a firearm. Mm. Terrified of it. And it's definitely something to respect. But what it's real difficult for a man to teach a female, um, especially a husband and wife type situation, 
um, professional trainers, you know, are different, but it's difficult for them to show them exactly how to stand, what their stance should be, because the way that you control the recoil is that you allow your body to just absorb it. You don't try to fight it because then that does a lot of different things. Um, the way that you hold, the way that you grip your firearm is extremely important. Um, anybody who has an automatic pistol where the slide comes back when you fire it to load the next round, anybody who's crossed their thumbs over each other behind that will, you, you know, yeah, that's not a fun, that's not a fun thing. They call, we call it a snake bite. Uh -huh. And yeah, you only do it once. So there are just a lot of little <laughs> nuances, a lot of little things like that. Um, you, you've got to you've got to lean into it and you've got to just absorb it, absorb all of the recoil instead of standing. Um, a lot of people, especially women, they'll kind of lean backwards mm. when they shoot the first few times. And all that does is it stops a recoil right there in your arms and your hands. So you, your body's not absorbing it. You're not in a stance mm -hmm. to be able to, to be able to handle it and work with it. So those things are extremely important. Um, you know, just, just a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I also find it interesting, like before your incident, you'd never, handled a gun you didn't own a gun you didn't even want the one that you had right but now right. you're on this path can you can you talk a little bit about how like what made you want to go down this path and start training people how to how to properly use firearms um i'll tell you i'll, I'll answer that question for you jake by sharing with you um, the situation about a lady that I trained. She was an elderly lady and she lives in a very um, violent part of town. Mm. Her husband was military and he retired and he has since passed away. She doesn't have the means to be able to move from there. She has no children, no family here. She said, I'm stuck and I'm terrified. She said, I can't sleep at night. I hear gunshots all the time. And so I said, you know, you can do this. And it took us a little, a little while, a couple of sessions to get her to where she could actually pick the firearm up off of the bench at the range and get it in her hand, get her grip on it and fire it. And after we did probably three or four sessions, she looked at me one night and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, you know what? She said, I think, I really think I could, I could defend myself now if I had to. Mm. And she said, I feel I feel like a different person and that's,
the reason that I that I do what I do. I, I believe in it strongly. I believe that everybody should have um, the right to defend themselves. And I believe if they're going to do that, they need to be trained. Mm-hmm. And I just want women to know and, and men too. I'm, I, I don't mean to keep singling out women. I'm not leaving you guys out for any reason. <laughs> I, I'm just talking about, you know, women simply because it's, it's easier. I have actually done, you know, instructed a couple of men, mm-hmm. um, but your specialty is women, right? That's correct. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just more comfortable, you know. Yeah. 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 You know, you teach what you know. Right. Um, That's right. <laughs> being That's a woman, why. it's probably easier for you to teach it. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. I imagine, uh, like, that the example you just gave, that kind of training and, like, from the beginning, her not even wanting to pick up the firearm, I'm like, the patients involved in that and just like what are some of the tactics you use to get people comfortable with picking up the gun for the first time? Well, the big part of that before they ever handle a firearm, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want them to know. Um, Mainly, the safety part of it. I want them to understand that a firearm is something that you, you don't have to be afraid of, but you definitely have to respect the four universal safety laws. You know, everybody that carries a firearm should know those, the the universal safety rules, you know, always assume every firearm's loaded, never pointed at anything. You're not willing to destroy. And that includes yourself, you know, the, you know, those rules. And then there's a lot of things that, you know, they need to know about what kind of firearm works best for them. You know, if you've got a woman that has little petite hands, you're not going to be able to put a Glock 19, you know, double stack in her hand. It's not going to (laughs) work. You know, Uh I personally am not a big fan of 22s for anybody, Uh but, it's better than nothing. Um, yeah, sometimes least, it's necessary. <laughs> exactly. And I, I prefer at least a 380. I mean, it's mm-hmm. going to give you a little more stopping power. Um, yeah, but yeah, those, and, and we, you know, and we talk and I, and I try to get to know them and I try to figure out what exactly is it that, how can I encourage them so that they can be able to have that vision to see, you know, Right now you're over here and you're afraid, but you can, you can beat that fear with knowledge and practice. And, you know, it, I, I just try to figure out what it is that's driving them, you know, what it is mm-hmm. that, that they're, where their fears lie and then yeah. address those, get those out of the way. Yeah. T- I mean, so many things are scary before you do them for the first time. Like, I mean, before the show, we were just talking about remodeling a bathroom. We'd never done that, and it was terrifying. <laughs> Not quite the same thing as picking up a gun, but... Not quite, but it's it's, uh, yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting over that, that initial fear is right. a huge roadblock for a lot of people with 
tons of things in life. Like it keeps it people is. stuck in one spot for a long time. That's exactly right. And, you know, one of the things that I've always really believed in, Jake, is you can live your life as a victim and you can be afraid of all of the things going on around this world today. Crime, I mean, car break-ins, home invasions. You can be afraid of all of that and be a victim, but you give up your power. And in order to get your power back, you have to do something. You have to take action. You have to you have to find that thing inside of you that just says, look, you can do this. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to live in fear. Yeah, there's always going to be anxiety and all of that kind of normal stuff. But I'm talking mm -hmm. about an overwhelming fear. You know, you you give away your power when you live your life as a victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty admirable that you uh, could have taken that victimhood mentality after your incident, but you turned it around and turned it into something empowering. Um, well, thank you. Like I yeah. said, I you know, I I do believe a lot of that, you know, comes from God. I, I mm -hmm. truly believe that with all of my heart. Um. You know, this, uh, do you have another question for me? I wanted to mention the constitutional carry thing. Please do. do I'm it. so excited. I'm so excited. I followed that every time they would take a vote. And then I'm like, okay, is Kemp going to sign it? And, you know, there's, you know, um, House Bill 218 and, mm -hmm. the, you know, the 318 and all that. And it got signed. And I'm, and I'm thrilled that it did. I'm thrilled yeah. that it did. And if I see another commercial on television talking about with the retired sheriff's deputy saying, you know, it's a shame and it makes it more dangerous. It does not. We may have lost her again. No. Mine didn't you, go out. I think it was yours, but yeah. Um, okay. Well, you, you cut out with, uh, you were saying. Um, about the constitutional carry. Yeah. You were, um, saying, you were saying it does not make us less safe. No, it doesn't. And perfect example, perfect example. You know, stand up and applaud this guy. The mm. guy in the mall in Indiana. Mm -hmm. He saved lives. I mean, that was. That was a young man and his state had just enacted the constitutional carry. A mm -hmm. lot of people had a little bit of an issue with him taking a firearm into a mall because there was a sign that said no weapons allowed. Well, the active shooter didn't have a problem with that. So thank goodness the good guy with a gun didn't have a problem with taking it in there too, because he mm -hmm. saved lives. And the only thing that I will really say to people, the only thing that worries me just a little bit um, about constitutional carry and it is the training. Mm. It is so important. If you are going to carry a firearm on your body when you go out of your home, it is a huge responsibility. And you can't you can't take that lightly. You cannot take that lightly. 
there are, you know, the, the laws require you to be in grave and immediate threat of death or bodily harm, like grave bodily harm. Um, you got to be an innocent party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that guy met all of the rules that you have to follow. When you take training, you learn all of these things. It's not just training is not just about going to a range and shooting at a target. There's so much more that you need to know about it. You need to know. Do you know the day that I shot the firearm, I never even heard it? I never even heard it. And that's because of a thing that you learn in training that your body does. You, 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 you get tunnel vision. You can't Mm -hmm. hear anything. Um, You, your brain goes all over the place. So there's so much about firearms that you need to know if you're going to carry one, you need to know how to draw your firearm out of your holster without shooting yourself in your foot. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> You'd be amazed how many people sweep their own feet when they're drawing a firearm out of their holster. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's not something to take lightly. Um, but I do encourage, I do encourage people to, you know, have a firearm, have a firearm in your home because you never think it's going to happen until it happens. Mm-hmm. I would have never dreamed it. I never had any fear of anything and I would have never dreamed that that would have happened to me, but it did. Yeah. I mean, like you said, having more than one firearm is definitely preferable, um, especially if an incident like this does occur. Um, But as far as the, we were just talking about constitutional carry, there's some interesting developments that came out in Georgia today with, uh, if you heard of music Midtown, I have, yeah. Yeah. Um, they can't, they canceled Music Midtown because of the constitutional carry laws here in Georgia. So wow. they're, they're using it as political leverage they're trying to try to, get, to yeah, get Abrams trying, elected. Yeah. They're trying to dig in their hills and get what they can. Wow. Yep. It was similar to, to the All Star game stuff um, yeah. last year. I just don't understand what kind of a mindset thinks that by getting rid of guns, quote unquote, right. you're going to stop crime and that you're going to stop shootings. You don't, you know, it's criminals are going to do what they're going to do. Wine, you know, it it makes zero sense. And besides all of that, it's our constitutional right. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. I I mean, I think the last, like, as sad as these uh, two, two of the last few shootings have, have, uh, have been, I think they're pretty good examples of why gun control doesn't work at all. Because like in that, in that mall, they weren't allowed to have guns. The criminal doesn't care. He brought it in to kill a bunch of people. (laughs) Do you know the security guards in a lot of malls don't even carry firearms? (laughs) Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's a true true statement. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you got a non-criminal whose people are trying to 
make him out to be one who saved a whole bunch of people. And then the the one in right outside of Chicago, uh, I guess it was right July fourth. Like, th- that's yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the most like constrict like restricted states ever. And exactly, uh, you know. Criminals don't care. They're going to get their hands on a weapon and they're going to that's, try that's to exactly right. Well, I'll tell you, Jake, I am all for this is a very controversial subject, but I'm going to throw it out there because I'm not <laughs> afraid of controversy. I'm all for teachers being armed. I'm not going to say a whole lot about the whole Uvalde thing. That was an absolute senseless tragedy. Mm-hmm. I support I I support law enforcement. I have a lot of friends who in law who are in law enforcement. Um, but they just can't always be there. Mm-hmm. They're they're not gonna always be there to help you. It may take them longer than you need. So you need to be prepared to mm-hmm. save your own life with deadly force if you have to. If you have to, you know I'm all for arming teachers. I'm all for, you know, the constitutional carry. Just be trained. Be highly, highly, highly trained. I love it. What uh, I know you're you're a member of at least a couple organizations. What uh, what organizations are those? And who would you suggest people get trained through or certified through or things like that? Right. Um, I love the curriculum with the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. It's very easy to follow. It's um, it's easy to understand, but it's so thorough. When I took that training to become an instructor, I learned everything from how ammunition is measured to, you know, I mean, just everything you can imagine, like, how long it takes a guy with a knife to get to you from 50 feet. You know, if you're holding a firearm and, you know, the laws, I mean, everything that you can possibly learn. It's a very thorough. I teach um, the U.S. concealed carry curriculum. And um, I don't really belong to a, a training group per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have unfortunately had to kind of back off. Um, I have dropped out as a co-leader of the um, Armed Women of America because my dad got really sick and he's very elderly. So I just I couldn't manage everything. So um, I don't teach. I don't instruct firearms as a as a full time job. So, um, you know, it's just something I do when somebody really wants it or needs it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had on Edgar Mills from Osprey Shooting Solutions. A couple I weeks heard ago. Edgar. Yes, I agreed with a lot of what Edgar said. Nice. Have you ever met him or gone out to his? I have place? not. I All have right. not. But All if right. I ever get up that way, I will definitely stop by. Yeah, I think I think my wife and I might be going up there in the next few weeks to do awesome. some training. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, where would you recommend if if people are intimidated by picking up a gun? Um, where would you recommend they start? Uh, their 
Um, honestly, honestly, uh, with training. Okay. Even when I went and bought my first firearm right after this, you know, incident happened. And then I knew, you know, I, yeah, I want a firearm and I need one and I feel very unsafe without one. Um, I was still afraid of it. And until you really train with it, you go to the range with it. Mm-hmm. And you practice malfunctions, loading it, unloading it, cleaning it, taking it apart, putting it back together. I mean, you know how that baby works from A to Z. That's when you really become totally comfortable. And some people may never get to that point, And that's mm-hmm. okay. But my suggestion is to start with training. Okay. And what I would do as a trainer with someone who's never who's never shot before, who's you know not familiar with firearms, um, when we get to the part about you know getting the actual gun and going to the range, um, our local gun shop here is um, they are they are so fantastic and awesome, and um, they were very helpful to me during my you know, during, um, you know, what I went through and when I was going and practicing, but, um, shooters of Columbus here in Columbus, Georgia, those guys are amazing. The owners are amazing. They've been very good to our organization and they've been very good to me personally. Um, but when you get to that point, they have firearms that you can rent and you can say, you can try them before you buy them. So you can try several different kinds to kind of see what works for you best. But my recommendation is to is to start with the training, you know, and by the time you go through the training and you you kind of know a lot of stuff and, you know, you get to the range and you begin to get a little more comfortable because you do know a little bit, you know, you got a little bit of knowledge under your belt. You know how to anticipate the recoil, you know, you know, you know, you kind of know that you'll, you'll be able to do it mm-hmm. versus just go into the range like I did and just starting from scratch, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what's your uh, pistol of choice? I love a, well, I'll tell you what I have to, I, um, I love a Glock. Mm-hmm. I'm a Glock girl. <laughs> Uh, my first firearm was, um, a Springfield XDS nine millimeter. Okay. Love that. I love it. And the thing I love about it is that it has a backstrap safety. Hmm. Now you have to be, you have to train, you have to practice with it. You really have to practice with it because if you don't hold it, just if your grip is not just right, it won't fire. But I like that because I have grandchildren and, you know, they'll visit me occasionally. And of course, you know, and let me just throw that little little thing in there right now. If you have firearms, please teach your children about them. Please Mm -hmm. don't. I mean, yes, lock them up by all means. Get them out of reach of your children. Children are very inquisitive and they will find things that you never thought they could. But teach them, teach them so that if they go to their friend's house and their friend's friend pulls out, 
you know, a firearm, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. They know to immediately go tell an adult or, you know, get out or whatever they need to do. But teach your children about firearms and how important it is to not touch one. Um, my other favorite is a, a Glock 17. That right. is a sweet shooting little firearm. Yeah. And let me say this too. Um, and people who are gun owners, you know, they, they know this, but people that are new, um, a lot, these people that might be deciding to just pick up a firearm and buy a holster and start carrying it. There are two basic kind of ammunitions for handguns. Um, one is called ball or target ammo. And one is called self-defense ammo. Target ammo is a lot less expensive. But the thing you need to know about target ammo is it will go through sheetrock. If you live in an apartment or in a house and you have other people in the room next to you, um, it's so important that you always consider what's beyond your target. Mm-hmm. Um, in my particular situation, um, you know, that happened and it ended up, I think, you know, like way up in a bookcase somewhere. Um, the self-defense ammo will will not do that um, or not do that. You know, I don't guess it's guaranteed not to, but if you hit your target, it, it's not going to. It'll right. see where, where it's made. I'm not going to get into all the details on that because most people know that. But it's an important thing if you're a new carrier and, you know, you just you don't have any training, but you want to carry. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that knowing what's beyond your target is is pretty important. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and can I just touch on one last thing, Jake? I know yeah. our time is just about up. Ah, we got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always do. Um, I, I do some community, um, like a group of uh, different groups get together, like the um, Libertarian Party was one group that got together and, you know, I did a little talk for them. And one of the things that I stress, I really try to stress more important than anything, your absolute first line of defense, whether you're carrying a firearm or not, but especially if you're carrying a firearm, you have to be more aware than other people do of what's going on around you. You should also, I, I see women, you know, walking through the park with their with their earbuds in. And I'm thinking, you know, anybody could come up behind them and they would never know it. Mm-hmm. And it happens. People think that human trafficking and sex trafficking and those types of things don't happen. They really do. It's Especially a real in Georgia. Thing. Right. It's a real thing with us having an international airport. You know, mm-hmm. right in Atlanta. I mean, it's a it's a real thing. So you've got to be situationally aware. You've got to be aware of what's going on around you. I'm not saying to be paranoid or you know freak out everywhere you go, but don't don't do things that make you an easy target. And by this, I mean, um, you know, when you're getting into your car at the mall, don't 
Don't get into your car. If there's a, an old white van parked next to your car and they're real close and, you know, say it looks like there's a couple of people in it and it's after dark, don't, don't do it. <laughs> you know, either go around to the other side or, you know, do get somebody to walk you out or, or something. Don't do it. So just think about things. Um, you know, don't get into that total mindset where you're always looking for trouble right around the corner. But, you know, notice who's walking behind you. My mm-hmm. daughter and I were walking through the parking lot at Walmart one night and it and it was late. And yes, that's a no, no. But. It happens occasionally. I noticed this guy had parked about three rows over from us. And he was in direct line to the door. His The aisle he parked on went straight into the door. The aisle we parked on was over to the side. And so as we got out of our vehicle and started walking up, I noticed out of the corner of, the, of my eye that this guy walked all the way across three rows just to get in behind us. Hmm. That's a red flag. That's mm-hmm. when, yeah, that's when you go into that and you turn around and you, you know, you don't want to stare somebody down, hmm. but you want to let them know that you see them. I see you. You just make eye contact I see you, you walk a little bit faster or, you know, don't confront them, but just, you know, keep going, you know, but notice what's happening around you because that will keep you from doing a dumb thing that will get you put in jail. If you do have to use deadly force, Mm. you don't want to get to that point to where you're in that situation. You, if you can, If you can head it off and get away from it, your very first priority is just to escape, evade the whole situation. You know, don't go looking for it. Don't go looking for trouble and don't let trouble sneak up on you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. People do tend to conflate like being situationally aware or um, just preparing for for certain things to happen as paranoia and it's just not the same thing like paranoia you're kind of driven by your emotions and not like nothing logical whereas preparing and being situationally aware you're just acting logically you know and not- you're absolutely correct well i mean we we all know i you know the town that you live in the area that you live in the area that I live in, it's, it's become very violent Uh and it's not safe to go out by yourself after dark, you know, at 12, one o'clock in the morning, it's just not a safe thing to do. Make good choices and make good decisions, but always make sure that you don't make yourself an easy target. Uh That's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we wrap up, have you heard of uh, Strikeman laser firing system? Is that the practice? Is that yeah, the practice, practice system? One. It's got a little um, little bullet, a uh, little laser bullet. I don't know. I have heard of <laughs> that. Um, I have. I'm not familiar with it. I'm not going to lie, but I have 
I have seen something about that. Are it's you really interesting. It? Yeah. Yeah. I, I cause it, it, it allows me to, it's not, you know, it's, it, you're still dry firing. Like right. it's not, it, you're not, there's no recoil or anything like that, but right. it does allow you to pull that trigger and like know exactly where you're aiming at the target. And like, you have a little target set up, your phone set up and, uh, it, uh, it registers and you can do different kinds of training and different, like, it's pretty neat. Like it's a pretty neat thing to be able to do just in the comfort of your own home when you don't have time to actually get to the range. That is absolutely amazing. Absolutely awesome stuff. Let me ask you a question. Where's your magazine when you're doing that? Your magazine is in it, is in the gun. Um, it's just empty. Really? Yeah. Really? Otherwise, okay. otherwise it won't keep firing. It won't fire. Yeah. yeah. Some guns will not fire if you don't have a magazine in. Or yeah, in that particular system, it may work that way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this, yeah. The, the, the bullet is, is, yeah, it's just a little, yeah. a little cartridge. It's got yeah. rubber gaskets on it. So it stays in the, right. In the chamber. It's kind of like a snap cap. Yeah. And they, they make them for all different types of guns now, which is pretty cool. Like I think they have an AR one. Um, they've got nine millimeter. They've got shotgun shells. It's pretty way cool. cool. Yeah. I need to check that out. That is a way cool. That That is awesome. I am all about dry firing. Dry yeah. firing is, but man, you got to be safe. I, I am definitely, definitely a safety girl. Mm -hmm. Safety is my big thing over anything else. Yeah. Um, if you're going to dry fire and you don't have that nice system that you have, you know, put your, put your ammo, um, put, just put everything in another room. Don't even have it in the same room. Either. So many that we, we live in a very distracted world right now. Mm. Um, with all the technology and, you know, everything going on, we're all so distracted all the time. And so, you know, just be very, very careful. If you're going to dry fire, I think that's fantastic. It's a great way to train without burning up that ammo. Mm -hmm. um, just make sure that you're safe about it. You know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I appreciate you sharing that with me. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'll send you a link. It's pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Um, there, there's a few options now. I think Strikeman was one of the first, and now a bunch of companies have come out with them. So there's, I always love options the new now. The new toys and gadgets and uh -huh. things. Those are always cool. Absolutely. Big time. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it and telling us your story. Well, thank you for having me, Jake. Yeah, um, it's, it's been a pleasure. And I just want to say, you know, don't, don't live as a victim. Hmm. Don't give up your power. You know, don't give up your power. You don't have to live in fear. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll end it right there. Thank you very much, Tammy. Thank um, you. And we'll see y'all next week on the Free Georgia Podcast.